The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. It's time to stop focusing on business problems and start focusing on the growth and leadership of your business. Welcome to The Business Edge with your host, Marsha Zeidel. Learn from savvy, street-smart entrepreneurs how to make the leap from running a stressful business that's always putting out fires to leading a successful company that is innovative, productive, profitable. Now, here's Marsha Zeidel. Welcome to The Business Edge. I'm Marsha Zeidel, the Smart Moves coach and speaker, helping entrepreneurs and business owners create a thriving culture and leadership to build great companies that matter, those that do good and do well. My motto is, if you do what you always did, you will get what you always got. Therefore, move outside your comfort zone. That's where the magic happens. So let's start right now to bring some magic to your business with Marsha's Musings. It's time for Marsha's Musings, a tasty morsel of wisdom and wit to take the growing pains out of growth. What life as an entrepreneur is really like? I recently heard a podcast by Larry Kim, founder of WordStream a search marketing company. He admitted when he started WordStream, he naively had certain expectations that didn't quite align with the reality of what he experienced. For example, expectation number one, you'll be your own boss. The reality, you may not always be calling the shots. For example, if you accept funding from others, they will want to have a say because of their investment. And like it or not, you will lose a certain amount of control. Even if you don't have investors, your customers become your new boss, and they can be more demanding than your old boss ever was. Expectation number two, you'll get to do more of what you're good at and interested in. The reality, you might have started a business to follow your passion, but as it grows, you inevitably find yourself doing less of what you want to do and more of what you need to do, that is, managing the business. Ultimately, the most important aspect of your job as a company founder is less about doing stuff and more about building the team to help you and your business succeed. And finally, expectation number three, you'll make tons of money. The reality Money isn't everything, Kim said. Admit it. You hope to make boatloads of money by growing and possibly selling your business. That was one of my end goals as well. I soon learned founding a business creates values that isn't even monetary. I didn't realize that one of the most valuable aspects of being an entrepreneur is the experiences and insights you pick up along the journey. His final thought. My goal isn't to encourage or discourage anyone from starting a business. 
but rather to challenge you to think more deeply about what's behind your motivation. Most likely, it won't be anything like you expected it to be, but possibly that it will be better than what you ever imagined. So listeners, would you like to know more about starting and building a successful business? Get my free ebook, Smart Growth. Contact me at Marcia, M-A-R-C-I-A, at smartmovescoach.com or call 972-380-9181. You're listening to Marcia Zeidel, the Smart Moves Coach, making sure you're on the right track and not getting sidetracked in your drive for high performance and profitability. Today's program, carrying out the theme of the entrepreneurial journey, is Big Box to Little Box, Some Rules Apply. My guest is John Todd, who's made a major change in his life at the age of 53. He decided to leave the corporate world and become a small business owner. He assembled a team, searched the Dallas-Fort Worth market for a small business that had a sound yet interesting business model. After looking at telecom, printing, dry cleaning, and the sort, he found a residential remodeling company. The model felt right, the financials made sense, and most importantly, the company created a level of excitement that John was looking for. John will discuss the steps he took to retool elite remodeling from a discount to a full-service provider, as well as how he managed the company's ability to endure the ups and the downs of the construction market. John, it's such a pleasure to have you on the show. Thank you, Marcia. I'm, I'm pleased to be here. Well, let's just start with you telling a bit about your business. Um, why did you start it? Um, and where is it going? Well, let me pick up and follow on what you had just uh, said in your intro. When I was in my early 50s, I had been in big big box world for my entire career, whether it's United States Army or IBM, Sprint, MCI, etc. And when I got to the early 50s, I said, you know, I think I probably have one more job left in me. And what I wanted to do, always has was own my own business, but I never took that path. I always mm-hmm. worked for big boxes. And so when I got to the early 50s, I said, okay, one more job. Let's go do what I want to do. And mm-hmm. uh, basically, I mean, you summed it up. I put together a, a team, uh, an attorney, uh, a broker, a financial uh, CPA, and and myself, and we defined some criteria of what we were looking for. It wasn't industry-specific, just criteria. And we searched a number of different companies and ultimately ended up uh, finding a residential remodeling company in Frisco, Texas. Mm-hmm. It was about two years old. And uh, basically the, the three owners had, had started a good concept, but they got disconnected over who was making what and who was doing what work. Mm-hmm. And, and bottom line, uh, as you said, the, uh, the, the, the business model was very interesting. The financials made sense. Uh, I was, what I was looking for looked like this could be the place. So uh, we took out an SBA loan, put some of our own money in, and, uh, and away we went. And 
bought into the company in two thousand or bought the company in two thousand four, and have owned it ever since. And you know, just a couple of thoughts. Um, when you said that um, the business model was very interesting, uh, there's lots of diff- uh, uh, business models. What was interesting about this particular business model? Well, w- what I found interesting here is is in this particular market, even in a greater Dallas area right now, when you look at residential remodeling, this industry, there is probably in the entire metroplex of Dallas, uh, not counting Fort Worth, but just Dallas and far north Dallas, there's probably only two, maybe three of us that have a true retail showroom and design center. Mm-hmm. So when you look at you know, the construction industry, basically you're thinking of guys working out of their homes, driving trucks, things like that, and you don't think about a true business. So when I looked at this, and saw the financials and said, wait a minute, this this model kind of makes sense where you could replicate it, meaning if you could truly migrate from a discount to a value-added uh, service provider, then you could prove the financial metrics the way I thought they were going to work, and they did, then you could replicate this by saying, okay, I'm in Frisco now. i got a 15-mile serving area. Hey, I could go to Rockwall, draw a circle around that one, put a store out there. I could go to, go to Keller. I could do that. I could even go south and into Dallas. Uh, Not interested in doing that because there's just so many people in Dallas, whether they're, you know, people like me and there's only one or two maybe, (laughs) you know, or they're guys driving around in their trucks. So we wanted value add. We we are not the least expensive and uh, uh, we don't negotiate. And so I I looked at the model and said, this is pretty cool. This might work and, uh, and and it's replicatable. And so uh, that's why I bought in, and uh, and we're still, I mean, the financials have made sense. Uh, we just haven't gone to the next step of opening up a second store yet. Yeah, because that was going to be my next question as you talked about it. Um, and because I live in Dallas, I'm familiar with the company, the couple of um, uh, areas that would be uh, good for you to move into. Um do you see that happening in the near future, or do you have other plans looking down the road maybe one to three, three to five years from now? Well, I think the opportunity does present itself. Um, obviously, we have a rainy day chest. Uh, we had to use that in 2007 when the market collapsed, <laughs> and quite frankly, I believe it's gonna, uh, we're going to slow down again while things are great. We're very fortunate that uh, we have more jobs under contract than we've ever had in 12-plus years. Uh, business is good. Uh, we've got a spectacular team, but I, I, it's going to shift. Something's going to shift, whether it's the election, whether it's an international issue that affects uh, the world and consumer confidence and things like that. Uh, so I'm not sure that we'll go try to open up a second store. What we're trying to do right now I mean, in the short term, I think that's still the long-term plan. But I think right now what we're doing, because business is good, is we're taking the time to retool our internal processes to make sure mm-hmm. we know exactly mm-hmm. what our product is. We know <clears throat> who we're selling to, how we're selling it, how we're delivering it, how we're supporting it, to make sure that while business is good, we have the opportunity to make sure we're running well. I, I would hate to have to do that when I'm having to lay people off or cut salaries or, you know, things like that that we went through once before. 
So, uh, you know, again, just some some interesting thoughts for me um, that I think uh, I want to bring out from what you said was first, um, you know, you're holding off uh, maybe moving or expanding uh, because uh, there's uncertainty. And I think business owners have to understand that they can't be paralyzed by the uncertainty. We don't know what the election's going to be. We don't know what the what, what's going to blow up in the world. Um, so you can't be paralyzed, but you have to be cautious. I think, is that what you're saying? Oh, without a doubt. I mean, we are, uh, even though we're not going to go invest a couple hundred thousand in, <clears throat> into the lease and the build out of another uh, showroom. I mean, we're growing our business. We're expanding our markets. We're uh, we're a rep for one of our uh, cabinet companies that's out of Kansas. So we're selling, in addition to selling custom cabinets to our own customers, we're selling them to uh, other builders and remodelers, and we're selling them directly to homeowners when they come in and seek us out for that. So, yes, we are looking at expanding the things that we do, but we're staying very careful in that approach to make sure we're not trying to, I don't know how to characterize it, but we're not selling green apples and all of a sudden we're selling uh, a grapefruit. Um, we want to make sure what we do, we do well, and it's the right approach for this market right now. And, you know, that reminded me of uh, Tom Peters' book, which was years ago called In Search of Excellence. And um, he said something, stick to your knitting. In other words, do what you do best. Um, it doesn't mean you don't expand, but you really get a sense of what do we do well, and let's see where else we can, you know, where what else we can do to utilize those those skill sets, um, etc. So now I'd like to move on because we're talking about at least in this first segment the entrepreneurial journey. Um, you left corporate. Uh, you've been in, you know, uh, in business for what, twelve years, something like that. That's correct. Um, what do you find most satisfying in being an entrepreneur and owning a business? You know, I think I, I think I would sum it up in one word, and it's it's the same word that I got into the business with, and that's responsibility. Mm-hmm. What I was looking for when I decided to put my wife and I, my, our own money into this thing, borrow money take some risks, um, was I wanted that level of responsibility where at the end of the day, I was the person responsible. It was whether we were successful or whether we were not, uh, whether we had money to pay, you know, payroll or, you know, did we have enough gross margin to, you know, continue the business the way we wanted. I wanted that sense of responsibility rather than having always been in a, you know, kind of a... Uh, the cog in a wheel or, you know, the spoke in a, in a bicycle tire. I, I wanted to be the one at the end of the day. doesn't mean you do it by yourself, but it means at the end of the day, it's up to you. Right. And it, interestingly, um, I've had in the past, I'd say, several weeks, um, corporate either friends or I was recommended to them, uh, corporate uh, types who either were laid off or they're getting tired of the corporate merry-go-rounds. They talked about it. Um, You got off it. Um, 
do you think there's special skill sets that you had or mindset that you it's, it seems to me you felt you felt very comfortable moving from corporate to being an entrepreneur what makes you know how does that happen or what makes that person do that well i think uh i think during my my career whether it was military or um, IBM or Sprint, MCI, and in the last five years, we're with venture capitalists, and we even took one company public. So I've, I've been through a lot of those where you really have to uh, step up to the table and try to do something you may not have done before. And I think during that that effort, I always I always stepped up and I did what what was needed to accomplish our missions or our goals. Uh, but at the same point, at the end of the day, I felt, okay, you're absolutely right. Use the word corporate politics. And mm-hmm. you, you just get frustrated because you know here's some things we need to do differently, and it could have an impact. But if you don't have, you know, the authority or the command and the control to execute that, uh, you're basically just, you know, negotiating your way through a path. So. I think my, I, you know, having you know been in the military, my dad was retired military, my older brother retired military, you know, I've always had that background where, you know, you seize the opportunity and take leadership. Mm-hmm. And, and, and I just wanted that sense of responsibility because I knew I could do it. I just wanted to be able to do it. And... Uh, <laughs> And that's and and that's really uh, you know again th- this show is to help others learn from those who are doing it you know not just writing about it or talking about it but doing it so I want to move on and I think um, we have a couple of minutes um, to because th- there's the joys of ownership but there are the challenges and so what were some of your challenges in either getting your, the company off the ground and building it? Well, I, I'll tell you, uh, you know. As, as you know, the company was two years old, so it was here. Um, but the difference was the, the company was a uh, discount uh, residential remodeler. And what I mean by that, it was come to me and I'll give you a free kitchen sink or come to me and I'll give you, uh, you know, 100 square feet of tile or I, I will give you something, you know, if you do business with me. Mm-hmm. And I've always grown up on the value-added side that uh, – you have to prove that that you have the right business model, the right capabilities, the delivery schemes, and things like that, and there's value in your business. So we were going to transform the company from discount to value-added, basically change the brand, change how we sell, change how we market, change how uh, we do things. And so that was the number one challenge. The second challenge was making sure well, can I just interrupt you because we are getting we're getting close to a break and I want to know about the second challenge so if you can hold that thought okay. um, this is uh, Marcia's Idol and it's time for a short break uh, my guest is John Todd talking about big box to little box same rules apply in the next segment Um, John is going to continue talking about some of the challenges as well as look at what are what changes he had to make in his leadership as he grew the company. So you're listening to the Business Edge on Voice America Business Channel. Stay tuned.
the boardroom to you. Voice America Business Network. Need a speaker for your next event that will engage, educate, and energize? Marsha Zidal, the Smart Moves Coach, will quickly capture your audience attention with her enthusiasm, her ability to connect with diverse groups, and her real-world success stories. She creates learning experiences that turn on the light bulbs, trigger innovative ideas, and motivate decisive action. The result? Accelerated leadership performance and business profitability. Schedule a keynote, presentation, or webinar now. Go to smartmovescoach.com forward slash speaking. Have you heard the great news? Snelling has been awarded best of staffing by both clients and candidates for their remarkable service, an achievement less than 1% of all workforce solutions companies can claim. Simply put, Snelling's satisfaction scores are more than double the industry average. We call it People Plus, and you'll understand why when you give us a call. Call us at 1-800-411-6401 or visit our webpage at www.snelling.com. That's 1-800-411-6401 or S-N-E-L-L-I-N-G dot com. Have you ever heard of someone who felt stuck in a challenging situation, feeling sideswiped by an event that took their success path off course? Glenn Ramsey, the entrepreneur blind spot coach, will help you to identify the unnoticeable reasons why you've derailed and get back on track with your KPI goals. Get realigned with success and connect with Glenn, the blind spot coach, at Glenn at InspireNexus.com to schedule your free discovery coaching session today. That's Glenn, G-L-E-N, at InspireNexus.com. You're tuned in to The Business Edge with Marsha's Idol. To reach Marsha or her guests on today's show, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You can also send us an email to Marsha at smartmovescoach.com. Now, back to the Business Edge. Welcome back to the Business Edge. I'm Marsha Seidel, the Smart Moves Coach, helping entrepreneurs and business owners create a thriving culture and leadership to build great companies that matter, those that do good and do well. My guest is John Todd, the owner of Elite Remodeling, and he's been talking about Big box to little box, same rules apply. And he moved at, at, a, at a, the ripe old age of in the 50s, which is no longer ripe old. It's, you know, it's truly, truly middle age. He decided he to take a turn and he moved from um, being in corporate to being a business owner. And uh, at the end of the last segment, um, he was talking about uh, some of the, the challenges that he's had in growing um, his business and getting it off the ground. And we went into the first challenge, but there's another challenge. Can you talk a bit about that? Well, I would say the, the second challenge was technology. And mm-hmm. uh, in any kind of business, you have to have the right tool sets uh, to do your business as efficiently and as effectively as you can. And whether you're IBM or uh, your elite remodeling in Frisco, Texas. If you don't have the right tool set and the technology to make things work, you're, you're going to struggle and you're going to be inefficient. So that was the, main, the second big item that we had to face. And I, I mean, example was we had a software program to do uh, create estimates for customers. Um, however, the previous owners 
only bought one license, so they could only have one person using it mm-hmm. at a time. So mm-hmm. hindering sales. Second thing was that tool needed access to the internet. Um, they had a dial-up uh, phone line that was shared with the credit card machine and the fax machine. So not only could one person be doing an estimate, only one person could be onto the internet searching for products and services and you know materials and things like that. So and and then you get into the array of what we call software technology and then hardware technology on how to make all this work. So. Yes, I mean, I knew this going in, what they had and where they were, but I saw this as a great opportunity, not only because most of my peers and competitors were exactly where this company was, Uh I I knew that I could change this because of my background in IBM and telecom and software and things like that. And this is where we're bringing a corporate background to small business can can enhance that business and 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 enhance your competitive um, uh, edge. And so I think that's great. And I'm glad you got you talked about the technology because a lot of small businesses uh, may not be as advanced as they should be. So now we're going to move on, and um, this is the this is the area that I love to talk about with with um, entrepreneurs, which is what are the leadership issues? Because that to me, that's my background, and, and that that's my world. So, um, you know, one of the things that we're looking at is when you move from a startup venture or one that, like you did, that just you know bought a a small company that really uh, needed to to uh, grow, um, and you you grow to more established business. Here are some of the issues that I have found. Uh, most uh, business owners face. And I think one of the biggest is hiring and training and engaging the right talent. So tell me about, you know, that aspect. Um, How did you identify who might be potential employees? What did you have to train them? Did they, what were you looking for? So talk a bit about that. Well, you're right. I mean, you start with people. I mean, yes, you can have an existing business and you can have customers in an industry and a market, et cetera. But if you don't have the right people in the right skill sets along with the right education, you, you, you will never be successful. And, and that's why when, when I came into the business uh, and looked around, uh, uh, the, the people that were there, uh, I would say after several years, I only kept, two of the, what was six people here. I only kept two of the six people here. And and the reason for that is one of them was a sales guy, and he was exactly where he needed to be, but he needed tools, he needed training, he needed education. The other was a sales guy, but he was really, when I got to know him, he was really an expert in, in, in what I would call construction. He had a master's degree from North Texas in construction mm-hmm. management, uh, and but here he was selling residential remodeling. So over a couple years, I migrated him out of that, and he's now my construction manager. So mm-hmm. we work hand-in-hand to make things uh, go in the proper direction from a technical perspective in the business. So people really, really are number one in my mind. And, and when we, when I sat down and we as a team 
we share, we talk, I mean, we communicate all the time. But what I wanted to do is we went out and brought uh, the Herman International people in to do an assessment of everybody mm-hmm. that was here. We wanted to know, are you left brain, right brain, lower left, you know, things like that. And we did that so, we one, we would know who we are, but we could share that with each other so people mm-hmm. knew what to expect from this person. So if you had a person that was really good in sales, but their natural tendency was not to be detail-oriented, organized at their desk, on time everywhere, then you really needed to understand their skills, their strengths, their weaknesses. And we did. We brought Herman International in, and we did those assessments. We also do one. Everybody that's hired, we do one that's called the DISC, D-I-S-C, mm-hmm. the Workplace Assessment. So we do that, and we share that with everybody. So, uh, and we periodically, about every couple of years, go back and redo it just to see if anything's tweaked. And then the last one that we brought in is we brought the Myers Briggs in. So right. We, so we really could have a stake in the ground on personalities. And as you know that from your background. There are so many quadrants of the Myers-Briggs, it's hard to put it on a single piece of paper to, to relate to everybody. But what I found was is by sharing, you know, doing these assessments, sharing the information, talking about the strengths and weaknesses of this kind of a profile, everybody, everybody jumps in and, and, and they buy into it and they understand what they've got to do to be successful and how to work with this individual. And most importantly, I want them to know what are my strengths and weaknesses and how they can, how they can come in and knock on my door. I, I don't have a door, but uh, I used to have a door, but I don't have a door for the last 12 years, but uh, uh, I just have a cubby. But, uh, but the bottom line is, is we, we, we go into that, make sure we got the right people. What are their personalities? How do they make decisions? You know, what are their strengths and weaknesses relative to, you know, drivers, influencing, stability, steadiness, mm-hmm. competencies, mm-hmm. things like that. Uh, and then we take that from, from that point on. We go to the next couple steps, I think, that challenged me in the business. And so, you know, it's, it's interesting because, you, you, yes, you start with the people. And... Um, and you find out what their strengths and weaknesses are. And obviously you want to have the right fit for the, the right, you know, the right people in the right positions. But then we need to now start looking at, as you build a company, um, have you thought about, you know, what kind of culture you want for, that com- for your company? Um, and how are you going about making it happen? Well, the, the, the first thing that, that, that we did, yes, and culture is one of my items, you know, that uh, I don't want to say from a leader's perspective, but from uh, the owner's perspective, you have, to, you have to implement a culture where people feel comfortable, they feel motivated, and they feel engaged. And, and I think when you get to those levels, then they feel a sense of responsibility that that you feel, and it'll always be different than what I feel because I quote, I'm the one, you know, with, you know, cash in the bank to make it work mm-hmm. and things like that. Mm-hmm. But that's the responsibility I want, and, and, and I'm trying very hard to build that environment. And it never stops. Uh, we are we are constantly uh, communicating as a team, getting together. Uh, one of the things we have is a Monday morning meeting where we. Everybody in the company sits at the table and we review every job that's in construction, every job that's in design, 
every job uh, that's in warranty. And then we talk about the business issues that sit on top of that that we have to navigate through. So it, I, I think I think I was fortunate when I was uh, when I was with MCI. I had the opportunity to go, and you may have heard or know of this. Uh, this organization is called the Center for Creative Leadership. Yes, yes, and, yes. Uh, I had the opportunity to go to a couple of their sessions, one in North Carolina and one in Colorado Springs, and. They build, they build the culture, they build the team, the organization around leadership values that are focused on four points. And the first one is yourself, mm-hmm. and, and you have to understand that and take care of yourself. The second is uh, work. You, you need to be diligent and do the right things at work. Three is family. You must take care of your family. Uh, and, and the last one is the community. So mm-hmm. it, and those are the four points of their thrust and their leadership values. And I was fortunate to go to those classes and understand that and, and brought that with me. So, you know, we are very heavy here. Uh, we're dog-friendly in the store. We're, we're kid-friendly in the store, um, not from customers because it is a retail showroom, but family comes in here all the time. we got pictures that the kids draw all over the place. We... Uh, we take care of the community. We give a lot back into the community uh, from a, a, not not so much necessarily a financial investment, but um, we help Habitat. Uh, we have three separate charities that we work, Genesis Women's Shelter out of Dallas, uh, City House out of Plano, and uh, it's an organization called Main Gate out of McKinney. And, mm-hmm. uh Main Gate's a therapeutic equine center for disabled children and, and adults. So, and City House helps adolescents and uh, teenagers that have been pulled out of their family by Child Protective Services. So we get involved, and everybody kind of gets the opportunity to touch and feel, and uh, our customers know what we're doing. We explain to them how we do these things from a person perspective and a, mm-hmm. and a culture, and and I just get tickled pink when I go in and talk to a customer who's here for a, you know, a presentation on a on a, an opportunity or a job, or maybe they're in here because something's not going right. But I get to sit down and talk, and 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 I tell you, for the vast, vast, almost almost a hundred percent, people look at us and say, "Boy, you guys got a good set of processes. You got great people, and just keep doing what you're doing." So. Uh, you know, I think the things we've been working on as a team, not just me, I brought some ideas to the table, but they're working. And uh, and I have to give thanks to, you know, like CCL and, you know, obviously Myers-Briggs, Herman, those kind of things. But you learn things along the way, and if you don't take advantage of them, you're missing a great opportunity. Right. And so, you know, you talked about all these different assessments, and um – and so let's just move on to what what may be called your leadership style. Um, have you had to make changes in the way you work or the way you lead others, um, especially if the if you're if it's growing or or what did you learn about yourself? Um, also, what did you learn about yourself from these uh, different assessments? Well, the uh, I don't think I learned a lot. Uh, from mm-hmm. from the assessments because I had been taking them throughout my career mm-hmm. all along. Um, on my latest Myers Briggs, I'm an ISTJ, which means I'm introverted. Um, I'm sensing. I'm a thinker, and I'm yes, judgmental. Right. 
<laughs> and uh, when I most recently took it, I'm an I. Uh, I'm an INTJ. TJ, yes. And, and, I, and I think as I looked at that carefully, I was probably close to the line. So for years, mm-hmm. I was on the J side or F side, and now, and you're now on I'm this. over on the intuitive mm-hmm. side. So, but I think the thing that the thing that I, if you if you ask me, what what did I learn now as being quote the owner mm-hmm. or the guy driving the business versus. The guy, yes, I was driving an organization, but I was following the business. I, I think it's, I, I think I'd sum it up and say, you know, you you are on twenty four hours a day, mm-hmm. and people are watching you. Your team is watching you. How do you, how do you go about making decisions when a customer is angry? How do you sit back and follow the the simple rules of, of Acknowledge the issue, allow mm-hmm. them to speak, summarize the issues, and then develop an action plan. And those are the basic fundamentals that you learn. And if you didn't learn them, you're in trouble. But Mike, it's it's great to watch people watch me, and and they don't know that I'm watching them, but I am only from mm-hmm. a standpoint because I'm trying to I'm trying to do trying to show them the right way to go about it. You don't get mad. You don't throw up your hands and you don't scream and yell at people. You talk to people and you listen to people. And that's why we got two ears and one mouth. Uh, and if we did that more often, I think we'd all be in good shape. So to answer your pointed question was, the thing I think is uh, you're on 24 hours a day. Right. And it's amazing how people are watching you. Right. And the other thing, I think the great point that you brought out is that as the owner, you're the role model. People will take their cues from you. And it's not just what you say, it's what you do and what you do on a daily basis that tells the, tells your employees how to interact with one another, how to deal with the customer, uh, what's ethical, what's not ethical, things like that. Um so I, this is really, uh, I, I've so much enjoyed getting your insights on this, but now it is time for a short break. I'm Marcia Seidel, the Smart Moves Coach, and my guest is John Todd, talking about big box to little box. Same rules apply. In the uh, next segment, uh, John will be giving further insights into some of his ha-has, uh, that, things that he has learned, some of the do's and don'ts, of being an entrepreneur. So you're listening to The Business Edge on Voice America Business Channel. Stay tuned. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Have you heard the great news? Snelling has been awarded Best of Staffing by both clients and candidates for their remarkable service, an achievement less than 1% of all workforce solutions companies can claim. Simply put, Snelling's satisfaction scores are more than double the industry average. We call it People Plus, and you'll understand why when you give us a call. Call us at 1-800-411-6401 or visit our webpage at www.snelling.com. That's 1-800-411-6401 or S-N-E-L-L-I-N-G.com. Need a speaker for your next event that will engage, educate, and energize? 
Marsha Zidal, the Smart Moves Coach, will quickly capture your audience's attention with her enthusiasm, her ability to connect with diverse groups, and her real-world success stories. She creates learning experiences that turn on the light bulbs, trigger innovative ideas, and motivate decisive action. The result? Accelerated leadership performance and business profitability. Schedule a keynote, presentation, or webinar now. Go to smartmovescoach.com forward slash speaking. You're tuned into the Business Edge with Marsha's Idol. To reach Marsha or her guests on today's show, please call 1 866 472 5790. That's 1 866 472 5790. You can also send us an email to Marsha at smartmovescoach.com. Now, back to the Business Edge. Welcome back to the Business Edge. I'm Marcia Seidel, the Smart Moose Coach, helping entrepreneurs and business owners create a thriving culture and leadership to build great companies that matter, those that do good and do well. My guest today is John Ta talking about big box to little box, same rules apply. And he has been um, sharing with us his entrepreneurial journey from uh, – being in corporate for quite a quite a, a number of years, um, to being a business owner, and what is the most interesting thing that I've gotten from from your insights and your story, John, is that you know you, you're taking what you've learned in corporate or what your experiences are that have been in corporate, and you're transporting them to running a a small business that's growing. And so I think the message is that we, we, we take from our experience and then we have to see how can we utilize it. So, uh, John, um, now it's time for some further insights. Um, you know, in your entrepreneurial journey, uh, what has been your biggest aha moment or moments? <laughs> you know, if- um, I, I would say it's basically what we agreed to on the title of this segment, and that's big box to little box, the same rules apply. And uh, and I mean that whether I'm at IBM or I'm at Sprint or MCI, a big multi-billion dollar corporation that's either in telecom or, uh, you know, whether it's processors or software with IBM. But the key is to that is those rules absolutely apply, and it's the five rules of marketing and what I call the five P's, or everybody calls the five P's. Sometimes there's four, sometimes there's five mm-hmm. or six. But I look at it at those P's, meaning even with this little bitty company, you still have to have a product, and you have to know what that product is. You have to know what it does or doesn't do, and you have to be able to replicate that product and all the things that go with it. How do you sell it? How do you order it? Um, how do you deliver it, things like that. So the first one is, is the P, is the first P, is, is the product. So mm-hmm. everything starts with that. Then you have to figure out how you're going to position it, and that's the second P. So position means who's your target market, what's your demographic, how you, you know, what's your price point, what customers are you going after, uh, and why would this particular product or service fit their particular needs. And that's kind of, we talked about that a little bit earlier when we said, hey, you made a reference to uh, another company or a study or gentleman that said, hey, do what you do well. And mm-hmm. we're not all things 
to all people. We are mm-hmm. we have a set of capabilities, and uh, we make sure that's what we do. And when somebody walks in the store and they want something different than that, we don't tell them no. We tell them that's not what we do, but we'll help you find somebody that can do that. The third point is, and the third P is price. In mm-hmm. other words, you have to be you have to know how you're going to sell your product. Are you going to be the cheapest and have what would call the Walmart model, so you're going to make mm-hmm. it up in volume, low margins, mm-hmm. high volume, or are you going to have a product that's value-added? So if you're going to put a lot of people involved, a lot of customer service, a lot of attention, a lot of detail on quality and things like that, then you need to be compensated for that. So you need to know your price and how you're going to, how you're going to go to market with that compared to others. And then it's your marketing strategy, the promotion part of it. <laughs> How are you going to market yourself? What are you going to do differently? Um, and when I got in this business 12 years ago, there was, you know, yes, we had a website. Um, some of our competitors had website. Nobody was actively driving it. And one of the first things we did is absolutely we killed our website and, and had a new one built. And, in fact, right now we drive people to our website rather than phone us first. I'd rather have you go to our website and know who we are because that's where we market from, and that's where our brand is positioned. So when you see our website, you know, hey, this is something different. And and the last, the last item is the most important, and we talked about it already. The last P is people. Yes. You, you have to find the right people. You have to attract them. You have to... You know, retain them, you have to motivate them, you have to incent them, you have to take care of them and treat them with respect. Um, but the most important part is is you educate them. Uh, and whether that's in culture, whether that's in doing things the right way, the right mm-hmm. all the time, or it's technical. And one of the things we do is we absolutely make sure everyone on our staff is trained and certified whether they're a designer, remodeler, project manager, or an aging and place specialist, everybody has a certification. Uh, we just had a gentleman join us, a small remodeler, just sought us out. We liked him. He joined us. Uh, he's one of our project managers now, so he'll be going through some certification programs. So all the P's ultimately end up, in my mind, I could be wrong in other people's perspectives, but at the end of the day, it's your people. Because it's your people that that make the business work, and it's the people that you can count on uh, to deliver your business. And you and I are in total agreement on that. Um, And I learned that many when I was a very small child, and my father had a small grocery store. I grew up in an entrepreneurial environment, and I saw daily how people, whether it was his, 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 you know, his employees or his customers. So um, you're speaking to the choir here. <laughs> but I think it's important that people who listen to this uh, understand um, what, you know, what makes a successful, uh, effective business. So I want to move on because you do have such a wealth of knowledge and experience, both from your corporate and from your entrepreneurial um, background. So what advice or words of wisdom would you give to entrepreneurs in starting or growing a business, some do's and don'ts? Well, I would say, and, and uh, I would say the first thing that you must do is you must know your numbers. Mm-hmm. And you absolutely have to know your numbers. You have to know uh, 
what's your price point. You have to know your gross margin, your expenses, uh, your net income. You have to know your numbers. doesn't mean you're the accountant or you're the CPA, but if you don't know your numbers, uh, everything else is, is you might as well just go ahead and stay in the big box world and let somebody else worry about the numbers because at the end of the day, uh, and a lot of people don't understand that, but at the end of the day, there is a big difference in business between what's called margin and markup. And if mm-hmm. you don't know those two fundamental premises, you will never you will never be successful. And I've bumped into custom builders that are good friends of mine here locally in Dallas that uh, that I've gotten to know over the last twelve years. And you, they would come in and say, "Hey, I got a job. I want to refer to you. It's too small for me." And you would say, "Okay, fine. We can do that." You know, what's your gross margin? And they would say, "Oh, you know, fifty percent." And then you'd crawl through the details, and you'd find out, well, guess what? It's really only about 18%, you know, because you only marked it up 20%. Right, so right. That's the, that, you know, and there's a lot of things you have to do, but I'd say tell anybody that's, getting, that's thinking about entrepreneurial, getting out on their own, doing something different, boy, know your numbers. And if you don't know them at the detail that you need to know, make sure you've got somebody standing next to you that, that knows your number. Um, second thing I'd say is hire good people. Uh, spend the time to hire good people. And once you have those people, you have to educate them. And uh, it's continual education, whether it's social skills, whether it's technical skills, whether it's uh, sales skills, whatever it may be, you continue to educate them all the time. And what I would say is, is in part of that is, please don't forget to invest in processes and technology (laughs) because, I mean, I made the comment earlier, business is great right now for us. And rather than sitting on our laurels and just watching the business grow and and run, we're stopping and we're we're retooling our entire sales to construction start process because we don't think it's running the way we would like to run it. So never sit back, always invest in processes. and, And at the same time, uh, technology is hugely important. Um, I, my key people, my salespeople and my general manager, they have Surface Pro 3. So when they go home at night, you know, everything that, for the most part, everything we do is in, a, is in the sky and we have a file server here. But when they're at home, they're connected through the Internet and through VPNs to our server here, to their all their emails and, you know, data that's stored in the sky. So they're as productive at home as they are standing in here. And uh, and that's the way we want it. I want them to be able to, you know, to, to do it that way. And probably the last two things that I'd say, and I know we're probably running out of time, is number one, is, is one, you as the entrepreneur, the owner, whoever you are, set the direction. Tell people where you mm-hmm. can go. Mm-hmm. Regularly keep them updated on that. And then, quite frankly, get out of the way. Let people do the jobs. And, exactly. Uh, and you'll have more fun, and they'll have more fun. And when they need help, they're going to raise their hand. And uh, you know, I sit here in, in my little area with my construction manager, and, you know, um, he's got a lot of things on his plate that he never tells me, but he tells me when I need to know it or if something's going to bounce up. Um, and that's the way it should be because I don't tell him all the things that, you know, they're on my plate. But that's and the same with my general manager. So, yeah, set the direction, hire good people, get out of the way. 
And I think at that, uh, you know, with that statement, I think it says it all. If there's, you know, say it once again, because that can be the theme of this um, interview. Um, Can you remember what you just said? (laughs) Well, I I would say, you know, if I had to sum everything up, I'd say know your numbers, hire good people, train them, set the direction, get out of the way. We get out of the way. Well, John, it has been a delight talking with you. Again, you bring great experience. So if people want to uh, contact you and know more about their, your business, uh, how can they do that? Well, I would say uh, two ways. Um, more importantly, our website is uh, EliteHomeRemodeling.com. Not Elite Remodeling, but Elite Home Remodeling. And I'd go to our website because you will know exactly the products. Or not, but we don't sell products. I guess we do from a cabinet perspective. But mm-hmm. what do we offer? What do we do? Whether it's kitchens, bathrooms, accessibility, design services, additions, uh, you will get to know all my processes are out there. How do we do things? And how do we kind of manage the business? You'll get to meet my team. You know, they're out there. The things that we've been successful at from an awards and recognition, that's out there. So we work hard to have a good website so people can go learn us and learn who we are, what we do, and how we do it. And then, then absolutely pick up the phone or shoot me an email through our website. Uh, our phone number is 972-334-9800. So uh, I'd say go to the website first. Well, thank you so much, John, and um, it's time to talk about next week's program to bring more magic to your leadership and company, Um, and uh, it's called Becoming an Entrepreneur, Who Thrives in Business Rather Than Crumbles, and my guest is Michael Dermer. He, he, He has a website called The Lonely Entrepreneur. And he will share the insights that not only saved his own company, but have made a difference between success and failure for hundreds of struggling startups and entrepreneurs. Quote, it's how we manage the struggle of being the entrepreneur, he attests, based on his harrowing experience as an industry pioneer who watched the business he built for 10 years almost get destroyed in 10 days by the 2008 financial crisis. So you're going to hear his story and what he has learned from it and how he's built a business around that. So stay tuned to hear Michael, his story and wisdom, October 28th, noon Pacific, 3 p.m. Eastern. And now my favorite quote, there are three kinds of people in this world, those, those who make it happen, those who let it happen, and those who ask, what happened? Which one are you? If you're highly motivated to make it happen, let me help you make it happen. As a smart moves coach, let me show you how. Thank you for listening to The Business Edge, um, where I, as Marcia Zidal, helps entrepreneurial ventures and small to medium-sized companies build the leadership and talent and culture to move from innovative startup to productive scale-up to profitable enterprise. Remember, to be successful, you must get outside your comfort zone. That's where the magic happens. Thank you. You've been listening to The Business Edge with Marsha Zidal, the Smart Moves Coach. Join us again next Friday, noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Make the leap from a stressful to a successful business.